Warning, this episode contains spoilers, coarse language, and guys on fire. Where's the marshmallows? Yes! Welcome everybody to part two of the latest I Hate Love remakes. I am Noel. Joining me as always is Evie. I need more coffee. Like a lot more coffee. Like a vat of coffee. Like an <laughs> IV of coffee. <laughs> we should just slump you in a wheelchair like the uh, guy in this film and just with just an IV of coffee going in. Yeah, but my head is not that bulbous. That's true. We could just like duct tape a watermelon to it. How about I we don't <laughs> duct tape anything to my head? Okay. I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, obviously. Okay, joining us, <laughs> joining us again is Dana. Jazz hands. I would actually contend that he never had me. I was just like, just no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then he just kept going. And I was like, I don't know where he's going with this. But I'm <laughs> I don't even know stuff. either. There's a duct tape of watermelon into your head. I'm like, just keep Why? going. <laughs> and right now I'm more concerned that I just blew a breaker in my house. That's what I get for plugging the toaster oven. Was it a breaker niner niner? (laughs) Well, no, I plug the toaster oven and the kettle in and turn them both on. And I know I shouldn't do that, but I do it every single freaking time. Well, as long as it's not the breaker tied to the computer, I think we're okay. (sighs) Jazz hands. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow, you are amazing. So, Evie, what are we covering in this episode? I already told you last episode, goddammit. Yeah, I know, but this is a different episode. I'm going to go ahead and point out the fact that if they don't know what they just downloaded, it's not my problem. Well, someone might only listen to the remake and not the original. Well, then, I don't... what? (laughs) I know. Some people do. I don't know why. What? Really? I don't... Uh, Whatever, people. I don't get it. We've had some episodes where we've gotten more listens on the remakes than we have on the originals. Some on more originals than the remakes. It's like, don't people listen to both? I do. Okay. Well, that's why we keep having you on, because you know how to do it properly. Yay! (laughs) The film that we're covering is the remake of the film that we covered in our last episode. And if you didn't listen to it, you're shit out of luck for finding out what we're talking about, bitches! Yes, it's that film from 2006. (laughs) (laughs) That film with people in it. They're actors, and they act, and... It is the film of the title of this episode that you would have seen when you downloaded. (laughs) Because we're like, we don't want to introduce shit no more. (laughs) Just like... No, if you don't know what you're listening to, well, then that's just going to make your life interesting. There you go. It's not like you're coming in in the middle of the story. Surprise! Unless you do that. You never know. They could, like, start the podcast and then just be like, screw this. I don't want to listen to the beginning part. I'm going to start you, like, halfway through. I feel random today. Let's see what happens if I start at the 27-minute mark. Let's see what happens 40 minutes in, if it gets any better. It does not. That kind (laughs) of ended poorly, so I'm not going to go back and listen to the beginning for context. Nor the original. Kind of like people who skip to the end of a book. Depends on the book. How do people start our way through a book? I just, I don't get it. So yes, it's the 2006 remake directed by Alejandra, is it Aja or Aha? Aha. Alexander Aja. Co-written by him and Gregory Levasseur. I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm partially French and I don't know how to pronounce this stuff. 
I'm not looking at stuff, so we're going to leave it at that. And basically, Greg is his... I'm just going to call him Alex and Greg. Sounds good. So Greg is basically Alex's co-writer on basically all of his films, and I haven't really seen many of Alex. I haven't seen Piranha yet, the remake. I have. I've been kind of saving it because I know we'll do that episode at some point. Mm -hmm. But the only other film of his I've seen is High Tension, which is 80% of that film is really good, but that 80% is also blatantly ripped off from something else. It was a miniseries called Intensity based on a Dean Koontz novel. It's like literally scene by scene by scene directly ripped off from it. I'm guessing that that miniseries probably had to change a lot of stuff from the Dean Koontz book since Dean Koontz tends to suck out loud. Well, that was one of his better books in terms of it started really well and it's only that first half that High Tension ripped off and then it did its own bullshit for the second half. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and point out that being a good Dean Koontz book is still, like... I like some of his like, books. That's, like... I Phantoms was a good it's book. It's like being the thinnest kid at Fat Camp. Oh, I thought Phantoms was a good book, regardless of being by Dean Koontz. Uh, Intensity had a good first half, and then it just kind of wandered around. Yeah, I don't care. I don't read Dean Koontz novels. Anyways, I haven't seen Mirrors. I haven't seen... Well, the, I think the only other thing I saw was a film that these two guys co-wrote, but they had one of their friends direct, was P2, where it's... Oh my god, that was so bad. <laughs> the girl trapped in the parking structure. That, with that a, movie's so much worse. That movie- what? Yeah, it was literally the psycho security guard traps a woman in a multi-story parking complex and just chases her around for 90 minutes. That movie's so much worse because... I liked I it, think, but... I think at that It point- wasn't good. <laughs> No, I think it's so much worse because at that point, I think Wes Bentley was still on drugs. Oh, yeah, that's right. So it's like watching that going, this is awkward because I know why that guy's here. Yeah, and that film is also deserves the subtitle Rachel Nichols' is Cleavage because mm. it was literally so much focus on her boobs in that movie. Boobs. It's a crap movie, but it's one of those kind of crap movies I have fun watching just because it's so crap. So anyways... Stuff is fun. I just don't really have much interest in his career because basically what he does are remakes and crappy horror movies. He was the co-writer of Maniac. No reaction. (laughs) Moving on to The Hills Have Eyes, and this is probably where I'll edit in the synopsis. Um, So, I don't even know where I am right now. (laughs) I'm taking a pause to drink more caffeine. The Carter family is crossing a patch of desert in a trailer home. They consist of the burly patron Bob, the doting grandmother Ethel, teenagers Brenda and Bobby, older daughter Lynn, Lynn's husband Doug, the young couple's baby daughter Catherine, and their dogs Beauty and Beast. They stop by a mostly abandoned gas station run by an old coot named Fred, who directs them down a winding road in the desert hills, where they hit a spiked booby trap which punctures their tires. Hiking back to the gas station, Bob witnesses the suicide of Fred and is then captured by Papa Jupiter, head of a clan of cannibalistic mutants who live in the mountains. That night at the trailer, everyone sees flames in the distance and race out to find Bob on fire and stake to a tree. While his family puts him out and mourns, Brenda, who stayed behind to watch Catherine, is attacked by mutants, who rape the girl, bag up as much food and supplies as they can find in the trailer, and scoop up the baby. The Carters are racing back to their trailer as the mutants are leaving, and both Ethel and Lynn are gunned down in cold blood. Beauty has also been killed, and Beast quickly finds one of the clan scouts and shoves him off a cliff. Doug and Beast set into the mountains to track the clan down. Coming across an abandoned nuclear test village where a mutant named Big Brain, stuck in a wheelchair, tells them of the generations of radiation exposure and inbreeding which led to their present state. Beast kills Big Brain, and Doug slaughters his way through several mutants, eventually recovering his daughter Catherine, 
who is protected by Ruby, the little sister of the clan. Ruby dies saving Doug from a mutant attack. Papa Jupiter returns to the trailer only for Bobby and Brenda to snag him in a trap as the trailer explodes. The kids are reunited with a bloody Doug and Beast, only for the camera to zoom back and reveal someone is still watching them from the mountains through a pair of binoculars. Evie, do you recommend this movie? Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm helpful. Yeah, it's got a better look to the original. It's got a better story. It's one of those horror films that I can throw on in the background while I'm doing stuff. Because sometimes I like to have movies on. So basically, I recommend it. And if you have a thing where you don't like quiet while you're working, you can probably just throw that on in the background. You'll be fine. Okay. So basically, really high recommendation for me. (laughs) (laughs) Dana, do you recommend this movie? Less so than the original. Less so? Ooh. I did not like it. Can we elaborate a little bit? Um... I didn't like it. (laughs) Just the entire experience of this movie you didn't like? Yeah, I don't know. I don't do, like, hack and slash of movies. Too extreme? I don't like watching them because it's just no enjoyment for me. Dana's really the wrong person to have gotten. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to agree to this. You're like, Well, we're just going to scrap this. We'll do do Flight of the Phoenix instead. (laughs) Yay! No, I just... I think the acting was a bit better, not by much, but there was people I recognized in this one. Uh, <laughs> other than that, like there was parts that made more sense than the original, but overall, like it was just a lot more violent, a lot more gore. The blood looked a lot more real, but because of the violence, I knew it was coming, but it was just kind of like, I don't need to see this. I don't care. I'm not enjoying this at all. <laughs> so basically, I don't want... I, yeah, do not want. I recommend this film, but again, as with the first film, it's one of those ones, if you know what you're getting when you go into it, you're going to get exactly what you expect. But I do think this film, it not only perfectly captures the original film, but it does a very nice job of updating it and fixing some of the things that didn't work in the last film. Essentially, it uses, I'd say, 80% of the same script as the last movie. I mean, story beat by story beat by story beat. It just goes in and and revises like how certain things happen or or certain things. But the order of events is exactly the same. So you're pretty much still getting the original film. But it's very well shot and very well edited. I love a lot of the stuff with the music and the sound. For a Wes Craven remake, the score sounds a lot like a John Carpenter movie, which I really like. I think the cast is mostly good, with a few exceptions. And I'll get into those in the discussion. The makeup effects are typical K&B makeup effects. I'm not really a big K&B fan, but they're still good for what they are. It's well-made. I think it's a very well-made film, and if it's the type of film you want to see, it's good. You'll like it. So, moving into open discussion. Hang on, I I just want to elaborate a bit more. I guess the film itself, like quality, acting, storyline, everything, is better than the original. You just Which don't want. I just don't want. <laughs> like it was just uh, like it was so much better. But it's still a movie that you just didn't want to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if someone who wanted a horror movie, would you recommend it to them? For instance, if you want one of those like horror movies where you see like gore and killing and suspense and mutants tension and, and, and mutants <laughs> and stuff, sure. Go right ahead, watch it. You probably enjoy it. Just don't make you watch it again. Just don't make me watch it again. Actually, I was surprised at how well I did with these ones. Oh, sugar plum. <laughs> wow. I, She's going to be crying. 
I was really trying to go in with an open mind with these films because you have to understand, I really, really don't do horror films. And to be fair, the Eels Have Eyes films have a level of extremity that most horror films don't. Yeah. Just in terms of the horror. It's not like watching Halloween for the first time. Yeah. But well, it, not it, really. it's not frightening, scary. You're not going to be like jumping out of your skin and crying. It's just, it, it's this. It's horrifying horror. Yeah. It, it's visual violence and those things that the pictures, the images get stuck in your head and you just can't get them out. Yeah. It's more visceral. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't mind the thriller movies, the ones that kind of like screw with your head a lot. I like those ones because it causes you to think and it causes this sensation of thinking about something in a way that you didn't originally approach it mm-hmm. and it disturbs you. Whereas this is more, oh God, oh God, I shouldn't see someone's head blown off or like intestine. It's rupture. the body freezer. Yeah. I like the body freezer. That's the, actually, the body good. freezer wasn't that bad for me. That was I love that. that. <laughs> the body freezer wasn't that bad. The body freezer <laughs> It wasn't that bad. Like the guy blowing his face off? Yeah. I love the, the yeah. guy blowing his face off where it actually looks kind of fake. That's too much for Dana. But the body freezer, that <laughs> actually body looks pretty real. That I'm like, I think I can actually smell the blood. Well, that goes again to K&B of I've never, ever found a K&B makeup effect convincing. But if you still shoot it well and cut it well, it'll work for me. Like the head blowing off, I get the impact of the moment just because of the impact of what happens to the character in the moment. It's not that convincing of an effect. Yeah, well, the thing is because they linger just a little bit too long on it. And I'm like, okay, it looks fake now. Oh, here's a question I have to ask is I watched the unrated cut. Do you guys know which versions you watched? Um, I don't. How, what's the difference? I think the unrated is the one that's more widely available. It's more just about the length of shots. Yeah, I don't know which one I watched. I didn't know. You don't know what one you watched? Yeah, I don't know. It didn't say, so. In the scene where the dad is set on fire, mm-hmm. did they have a close-up of his face where his eyes turn white? I don't remember. I wasn't okay. paying that much attention to his eyes. I'm looking at the list of cuts, and it's basically just every single shot of violence, they just made it shorter. Thank God, MPAA, you've saved us all from violence. <laughs> I was reading the trivia on IMDb and they were saying that like they took out some scenes so that they could get the R rating. Yeah, but I'm I'm looking at the list of scenes and it's literally just like uh, when he pointed the gun at the baby, he pointed the gun at the baby longer. When the rape was going on, the rape went on longer. When the guy shot his own head off, the shot held longer. I mean, there's like no like full scene scenes. It's just a whole lot of little snippets. Yeah, where it's like, just cut it down just a little bit and then we'll give you the rating. Yeah. I agree, it's definitely pretty extreme in the gore department, but it's, how do I want to say, it, it can be, I just, I don't like can be because they look too much like Halloween masks. Like Pluto, why did they turn Pluto into sloth from Goonies? <laughs> like, I mean, literally, the way he looks, the way he laughs, the way he's smiling with the baby, it's like, it's fucking sloth from Goonies. <laughs> I don't know, but he didn't ask for a baby Ruth, so <laughs> it's not total plagiarism. <laughs> I mean, I actually think the character of Lizard was creepier just because of the performance the guy was giving than he was because he had the cleft lip. Mm. Oh, Lizard was cleft lip guy. Yeah, yeah, that was Robert Joy. That was him. Oh, my God. Yeah, who I typically see him in just kind of like dramatic roles. And here he's like doing a really physical monster role. Yeah, I remember him from CSI New York. Oh, yeah. One of those great character actors that you see his face everywhere. He's the Sean Bean of himself, I guess. <laughs> No, I think no one can be the Sean Bean except for Sean Bean. He's been in a lot of stuff. 
One of my problems with this film is you didn't really quite get as much with the mutant family as you did in the first one. And so they never really form dynamics. I'm fine with that because the mutant family from the original didn't give me that much that I was interested in them. I mean, you get the kind of brother stuff with, you know, Lizard and Pluto and Ruby has been kind of really minimized and just kind of pops up a few times here and there. But otherwise, you know, Big Mama, you like see her in one scene and then she's gone. You never see her again. Mm -hmm. Well, there's like a little flash of her hitting him, isn't there? Well, there's the flash, but it's still in the same scene. And you never see her again after he wakes up in that house. And then you get the guy who was in the wheelchair. The big brain. Yeah. I think that's the character's cyst, who's played by Gregory Nicotero. No, who's... his name is Big Brain, and it's played by uh, Desmond Oh, I Askew. see Desmond Askew. Who was cyst? Oh, was cyst the guy who had the head frame? I think that might be him, yeah. Who was just dragging bodies? Mm-hmm. Papa Jupiter is so minimized as a character as to not really have any impact at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he attacks the dad in the car... And then he shows up near at the end. And aside from casting Billy Drago, who I think is a horrible actor, I don't really get why. Yeah, Robert Joy really has more to do as Lizard. Well, I mean, if you think in the original film, Mars was a bigger character than Papa Jupiter. Mm-hmm. But Papa Jupiter was still a character. Here, he just shows up twice and then he's gone. And like they still build that big climax around him. I don't know. Papa Jupiter just didn't work for me. And the other actor who I had a problem with was Doug. Oh, Tyro. How about no? No, no. I like the actor. My problem was that they made the character pushed so far to the extreme of making him the outsider in the family to the point where he was a completely unlikable asshole trapped on a trailer with completely unlikable assholes because they all hated each other. Yeah, I I just felt it a little bit more believable, though. Yeah, um, (laughs) everyone has, because these are people who don't really want to be on a trip together and then throw in the son-in-law. But that's also the very typical way to do it. And what I liked about the way they did Doug in the last film was that was a very atypical way to do that character. See, I didn't like Doug in the last film. I like Doug in this film because I'm just like, I see where he's coming from because I don't want to be on a road trip with these assholes either. So I kind of get where he's coming from. But what I liked about Doug in the last film was he was so unassuming that you didn't even think about him. But then he steps up to become like one of the big characters in the climax. Here, he's pretty much the focus. Him and Bobby are pretty much the focus from page one. Yeah, but I liked him and Bobby. Yeah, I mean, I just felt it more understandable because it's a son-in-law. He is the outsider. He's married into the family and, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Do you need to get it? No, I'm trying to turn off the thing. Let me mute my mic. Meow, 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 meow. Ha, I turned off the ringer. But, I mean, my problem isn't that he's a bad character or that he's played badly. I just thought it was typical. It was too predictable, whereas I like in the last one that him becoming the character that he is is less expected and comes more out of left field. And this one, the moment you see him, you know, it's like, okay, he's going to have that arc. Yeah, I knew that he was going to have that arc in the original, too. I didn't. See, I did, because I'm just like, he's so fucking incompetent with the honey, can you give me my second? I was like, oh my god, this bitch better step it up, or I'm going to hope he gets fucking killed in the desert first. See, my thing, yeah, I mean, like, with my thing, though, is at the beginning of the movie and the original, he's already so caring of that family. Whereas this way, he doesn't care about the family. He doesn't want to be with this family because they treat him like shit, or at least the dad does. And the fact that it kind of changes around, especially that relationship with the mom, which, ah, she's dying, it means a lot more. See, but for me, that felt out of place in this one. 
because he still doesn't develop that bond with the family because it's all about his baby then. It's not about the rest of the family. It's just about his baby. And that's why I think that that scene with the mother is a little bit more important because at the same point, he still has this compassion for them. Well, I think the problem that I had was with the walkie-talkie was he instantly screws up the walkie-talkie the moment he gets it. Whereas in the last film, he still uses that to keep a connection going with Bobby and Brenda. And he's still thinking about them and he's still worried about them while he's going out to get the baby. Whereas in this one, he just instantly just uses the walkie-talkie to show them that, oh, by the way, I got a walkie-talkie. Where's my baby? And completely eliminates that as something that could be used. He still still uses the walkie-talkie because he contacts them on the CV, but they don't answer on the CV because they're outside prepping shit on fire. And that I didn't like because then it's like, oh, you're just using that now because that's how he did it in the original, even though he's already screwed it up by showing that he has access to the channels on the walkie-talkie. So they're going to be listening for him on the walkie-talkies. Which I didn't understand in the original how they didn't figure out that they had the walkie-talkie since they knew that the other guy was dead and his walkie-talkie isn't there. Uh, Well, they just find him at the base of the cliff. That doesn't mean that they searched everything. Well, one would assume that he has his walkie-talkie with him. Would they not? Well, I mean, if if he fell off a cliff, it could have fell between rocks or stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think that the inbreds are that smart. I think they would have just been like, he doesn't have his walkie-talkie, who knows? Yeah, They've but they been didn't... doing this for a while. I think they should notice if someone doesn't have his walkie-talkie. And frankly, when you see the brutal way that his wife had just been killed, because she's shot in the head. The other one, it's like they kind of pull a punch, and she's kind of just shot and spins away. Whereas here, I'm like, they shoot her in the head, and then she sits up in the trailer afterwards, and he has to watch his wife die. Yeah. Which, yeah, it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. You can but... survive bullets to the head, but not if they go in that direction. Oh. Depends, but yeah, it's like no, if, to- if it crosses over both sides of the brain as it did, it crossed diagonally through the head. That's instant death. If you just get it through one side of the brain, or if it just kind of skims the brain, then you can survive, like Abby Gifford. But technically, this movie's whole premise doesn't work anyway. But I give it the mulligan because <laughs> this is. Uh- This one, it works better for me because Grandpa actually intentionally sends him down that road. No, I mean, like, this whole movie's premise about the mutants doesn't work at all. Oh, yeah, no, that that one, it's literally, they went too far in the other direction. No, I mean, specifically because they're supposed to be in, like, Los Alamos. There was only three nuclear tests done at Los Alamos. No, I know, and I'm agreeing with you, so don't say no. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, also, genetic mutation would take a lot longer than what they're saying, and it basically does not make you better. Well, this one, they cut out the fact that the guy who at the gas station was the grandfather, so he's not. He's just affiliated with them. Though this time they're calling him daddy, so I still assume. It might have been that he was a part of the clan. Yeah, I assumed he was. This one, though, they give hints that this does go back generations, but I agree with you it doesn't work. They give that speech later where they were forced out of their homes and they retreated into the mountains. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, which would have been the nuclear testing at Los Alamos, yeah. which was not that long ago for this to have occurred. So well, I, guess it was I, like, give, I basically give it its No, preference. yeah, it does, because they say that this goes back multiple generations, which you get from the graveyard where it's all the pictures on the pics. Some of them are old black and white photos from the 30s. So, I mean, it does go back that far. Yeah, but that's not that many generations. It really wouldn't be. To get the mutations that they have, no. Yeah. If you add inbreeding, maybe, but you're still exaggerating. No, even with inbreeding, that's it would still take a while. I know. And the thing is... To be that severe? 
Yeah. But what I mean is, you know, the original film, we argued that they weren't mutant enough. And in this film, they're too mutant. <laughs> well, in this movie, I just assume that it's, I give it its, the mulligan and I give it its premise. And I basically am like, okay, so this is an alternate universe wherein they did a lot of testing at Los Alamos and they had houses that they forced people out of that they tested on and people went into mountains. I love that he's like standing there in, in the crater and we have that wide shot of, oh, there's another crater and there's another crater. You know, the nuclear bombs didn't quite work that way. Yeah. Some of them left craters, but most of them were atmospheric tests, which didn't leave craters. Well, the, the atmospheric tests that were done were actually not done at Los Alamos. No, no, weren't those done more in the Pacific? Yep. Yeah. And thus, going back to our Godzilla podcast. <laughs> and I love that, you know, you'd think that him just going down and walking around inside the crater, he's probably picking up a bit of radiation. Well, yeah, if you go to Los Alamos now, you spend an hour there, and I think you get half the radiation that you would normally get within like a day of just yeah. regular exposure to radiation and crap. Three years later, him and his baby die of cancer. Oh, there was also a Nevada test site where they did the atmospheric tests. Yeah, and then there was the whole village where it was the town of houses that were full of mannequins for the test site. I think they built that, though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they built that. They did, but they blew them up. Yeah. All the ones that they took the effort to build and house with mannequins, those were all up. caught yeah. in the explosions. Yeah. And these ones, it's like, oh, there's still standing structures and the mannequins just have some char on them. No, yeah. they were pretty much wiped out. <laughs> it's someone who wants to use this, but they don't know how it works. Someone is using the imagery and the ideas of the nuclear testing, but they're taking all these various things and throwing them in a pot together mm -hmm. without fully understanding them. Which I would point out, a lot of people don't know how explosions work, like how <laughs> nuclear explosions work oh, anyway, yeah. so they probably think that that's fine, and they probably think that a whole bunch of tests were done at Los Alamos, and this whole thing with the houses was probably done, and there's probably still houses standing there, and blah, 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 blah. So, people are dumb, therefore this probably plays into that. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are stupid, what's up? For me, the makeup effects that actually worked the best were the ones that were digitally augmented, like Ruby's face. Yeah. I thought they did a good job with that kind of drooping eye. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised, pleasantly surprised with that. Yeah. Because yeah, that like I kind of read stuff before I watched it. And when they were saying that, oh, yeah, no, it was uh, digitally done. And I was like, oh, God. I'm like, this was 2006. So we'll see. And then well, uh, at this point, they had kind we of weren't quite up to spliced levels yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually pleasantly surprised at how well they did. Mm -hmm. It was much better than the CGI fish in the opening credits that fish i'm like hi cgi fish but the thing is the reason it's specifically cgi is you can see it so clearly through the water yeah and on top of that they fall the camera follows and it. it's also not quite following the shakes of the camera perfectly well that and plus they can follow the fish and i'm like you can't follow a fish with your camera like that there's also when they do the wide shot showing all the craters mm -hmm. there's a crow flying by that's just a horribly animated cgi like its wings are flapping in a horribly comical way like a rubber bat on a string bring back the puppet bird from clash of the titans <laughs> yeah. uh. see now all i can think of is <laughs> oh was the, the the really horrible one lately the birdemic was it birdemic <laughs> <laughs> uh. you gotta give it credit it's still better than birdemic yeah but, you know, despite these criticisms, I still like a lot of, like, the cast, I think, is a really solid cast for the most part. A lot of good professional names in there, surprisingly. Like, Kathleen Quinlan, she was a surprise. Mm -hmm. Ted Levine, this was halfway yeah. through his monk run, so he had already kind of shaken the horror career that he kind of got pegged into after playing uh, Buffalo Bill. 
You know what? I didn't even realize it was him until, like, I went and looked it up and was like, Ted Levine! Oh my god, that's the guy! Oh my god! I didn't even realize it, because they didn't tell anybody yeah. to put the lotion in the basket! Well, because that's the thing, is after Silence of the Lambs, he just got stuck in horror movies for a while, despite the fact that he wasn't that recognizable. Mm -hmm. And it was only with Monk that he was finally able to break out and just do stuff and become a good character actor. So it was kind of nice that they didn't cast him as Papa Jupiter. Mm-hmm. He was really good as Big Bob. He was a much more appealing asshole than the Big Bob of the original one. Mm -hmm. This is true. Despite what you said, I actually like Aaron Stanford as Doug. So Again, I don't dislike the actor. But I like him as Doug. I like him, okay. the way that he played Doug. I like the way they wrote the character. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I disagree with you. Yeah, I'm saying you're wrong. And my problem with Brenda, the character still has some of the exaggerated hysterics of the original film, but I think that's just mainly because of the script. I think Emile de Raven does the best with it she can. It's Emily. Emily, yeah. I've heard. Okay. It's Emily. Okay. Emily de Raven. De Raven. Was it Raven or Raven? De Raven or de Ravine, something like that. Uh -huh. I think it's de Raven. I'm not going to keep changing my pronunciation. I thought she was a lot better Brenda than the original. Yeah. And the thing is here, because you see more of the brutality of the rape. Yeah. You kind of get where she's coming from. She's raped by two guys. Yeah. She's slapped around and it's and pretty brutal. Punched and, yeah. And I think there's even a scene right after. Just that bit where she gets punched. That's, yeah. Not only that, I think there's a moment right after it happens that they're all kind of back in the trailer and one of the guys sits next to her and she kind of like backs away. Yeah. It's her mm -hmm. brother too that sits next to her. Yeah. And she kind of like flinches away. Yeah. It comes off a lot better here than it did in the first film. I think my, my problem is just during the climax, she still kind of has those little hysterical moments. Just a few, but I think she plays them a lot better than the actors in the first one did. Well, I think well, and, it's a little more understandable. Yeah, yes. it's like here it's warranted because we know where she's coming from. Yeah. It's not just a very bad actress just being very shrill. Well, plus she also saw like her mom get shot and her sister get shot. And yeah. And not just that, but at one point she had to watch lizards suckle on her sister's teeth. Yeah, that was an interesting addition. I'm like, that's just fucking creepy. Yeah. I think it was more top boob. No, no, because they actually was... specifically had a line that she was still nursing with the baby. Yeah. To set that up. Yeah, because you have the mom telling her that she's not supposed to go from the baby. And I just realized that line was just there to set up that moment. Oh, God, did they have to go there? <laughs> actually, I like that line because it's basically the mom being a mom and like, well, I had three kids, so I would know. And I know. And then the mother and the daughter disagree. Yeah, I, I like that moment. I'm not saying I dislike any of this. I'm not even disliking the suckling bit. It's just like, wow, they went there. Though, yes. I and mean, I'm not going to lie to you, you can actually do both with a baby. Yeah. Especially if you don't produce enough milk, you can supplement them with formula. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, still give them breasts. Because, mm -hmm, I mean, as some people, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, they don't produce enough milk for the baby yeah. to feed on. Okay. Didn't really require that Learning clarification, about, but okay. Hey, you know what? When you were on their Twitter for me to fail and you were explaining ejaculation and now that works for guys, well, this is revenge for that. So, oh, no, no, no. This isn't even close to being revenge for that. Well, it's yeah. not revenge because it's not making me uncomfortable. Well, I found it very educational. So, this is you okay. being educated in revenge. I've been schooled. Exactly. Now you know. And knowing's half the battle. And I also thought Vanessa Shaw did a good job as Lynn. Mm -hmm. I was actually upset when she died. Yeah. And the fact that it was just a single bullet to the head. And then that she was still had that moment where she woke up. Yeah. Which was interesting that they took that from Big Bob in the first film. How he had that moment where he came back too. In the first film was smoke still coming out of his mouth. And then in this one they moved it to her. See, because I didn't need Big Bob to come back. 
No. No. And he was pretty thoroughly roasted in this one more than he was in the first film. Oh my god, when they drag him away, oh, so creepy. Because his dead body's just lying there, and then it's mm-hmm. just like, phew. I like the moment when they come back, where Bobby and Brenda are looking around, and they come back, and their mom has been taken from the car, yeah. and just dragged away. I'm like, my god, how superhumanly fast are you? Come on! I don't know, if you want to talk about superhumanly fast, go to the scene where Doug's in the crater... Mm-hmm. And the one dude with the head brace is walking by, and then all of a sudden he turns around, and both Beast and Doug are now in the truck that was like probably like 10 feet from them, plus had to open a door to get in it and close it. You don't know that he didn't crawl in through the window or something. No, I agree with that because that was like just this whole random of like, I thought they'd like ducked behind a bush or something like yeah. that, but it's like, no, they're all the way on the other side. <laughs> And how did they cross that span while he was looking in that direction? They could have gone behind that generator thing. It's like, I hope he doesn't see us, so we're going to run directly into his field of view and hide into something all the way over there. That we have to open a door just to get out. Yeah. See, I give that... See, that one didn't no, give me that no much of a problem. No, no mulligan for that one. No mulligan No, that, that one, one didn't give me... It's not a mulligan, but that one didn't give me much of a problem. I just went with it because I'm just like, that's just a stupid thing they do in movies. I'm like, it, it's dumb. No, that it was pretty me off every beyond time I see stupid. It. That one was really stupid. <laughs> Yeah, that no, one was the just one that was un- beyond stupid is when the mother's body is gone. And I'm just like, did he fly out of there? Because where the fuck is he? You never see her body again. So you assume I that he equate took- their stupidity. Yeah, it, yeah. It's- <laughs> no, it's a little different to be like, yeah, no, I made it across the desert into the mountains and I'm going to start eating your mom. And I just carried her because I'm fucking Superman. To this film's credit, I'm not saying that this is an entirely stupid movie. And none of this is fog level of stupid. No. But it does have a few moments that are just really stupid. And this one, it's also, I don't get why he then leaves Beast in the car. Yeah, that really made no sense. You've already entered into this scenario with Beast. And Beast is so far the most capable killer you have among you. (laughs) Because Beast gave away his position last time when he whined, looking at the guy. That's why he left Beast in the car. You're welcome! Anyways, I'm just glad that Beast found a way out of the car and still kicked ass. Yeah, well, obviously. I'm like, Beast had to find a way out of the car, but how did I become the one who knows things? I just realized something. In both films, Mama survives. Yeah, I didn't even notice Mama was in the movie, so there you go. Yeah, well, she was just that bald lady combing her wig. Mm. And then again, yeah, we never see her again, ever. Yeah, but you notice that there's also two little deformed kids that survive. Yeah, there's the two extra kids here, so there's still another generation, so that's how they explain part two. Mm. But I never realized that. In the original film, Mama survived too. Yeah. So I guess we know who's still watching with binoculars in the end. Well, we assume that that's who's watching them in the end. I just took it to be like, uh, it's someone coming to rescue them. That was a nice thing that they did was I like that whole pullback initially that they set up. Of It pulls back and then we realize we're looking through binoculars. Mm-hmm. And then they echo that with the final shot of the movie. Of they've saved the day, they survived, pull back, they're being watched with binoculars. Yeah, I choose to believe that those binoculars belong to people who came to rescue them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just let me have Go that. Go ahead and live in denial. Just I like let me the have the title that. sequence. Yeah. It was some nice music over that title. Yeah. Sequence. It was a nice Dawn of the Dead type credit mm-hmm. sequence. I'm not saying that as a criticism, but it's very much, mm-hmm. you know, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead style credit sequence. Yeah. I liked it. It was, I, I especially like how it would like twist to like the, there did be like these little jars in the music as it would go to the shots of deformity. Mm-hmm. And I love the old footage of the housewife with the birthday cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was funny. 
Though this is a movie done by someone who obviously does not understand how deformities from nuclear testing work, like from radiation exposure. Oh, no, it was just someone who was like, okay, what are all the deformities known to man? Let's put them all on people at the same time. Yeah, because I'm just like, people with deformities like that need a lot of medical attention. They don't usually survive very long. Yeah, because I mean, Ruby, you know, she's got the drooped eyes. She's got the webbed fingers. She's got the fucked up teeth. She's got the teeth. Then there's Big Brain in the chair. Yeah. Who has a massive brain. It's actually not, you know, people who have that, it's actually just a buildup of fluid in their head. Or that could just be a tumor, too. I think the thing in his neck was more a tumor. Yeah, uh, I don't it's know. It's not a tumor. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> funny thing. Both the actor who played Big Brain and Emily Draven were both on Roswell, the TV series, around the same oh. time, I think, too. Who was Desmond Askew? Okay, yeah, I've seen him and stuff. I'm trying to think of things to say about this movie. Because the problem with this movie is that when we really get into, like, the plot and everything, we're essentially just saying everything we said about the first movie. Because it does follow it very closely. I don't know who did this, but I do like in this one with Doug and the, I'm going to say, very obvious homage to Straw Dogs with the broken glasses like that. The broken Mm. glasses covered in blood. Yeah, he even has that kind of haircut that Dustin Hoffman had in that one. Very much. I was trying to place the reference, but yeah, that's definitely it. And I like how, because Big Bob is making fun of him, and it's like, oh, he's a Democrat. He doesn't believe in using guns. Yeah, and by the end, you see him, and he's become so brutal, and he's so blood-soaked. It's a nice breakdown of the fact that you can even take the most mild-mannered guy that, you know, he doesn't believe in guns and this. Because and you see him kind of freak out and be like, although if anyone pointed a gun at me, I'd be like, asshole, don't put that gun at me or I'll punch you in the head. But he obviously does not appreciate guns. Aside from when he shoots Lizard with the shotgun, the guns never play a significant part in anything because Bobby always misses. No, he hits the guy who's chasing him like once in the arm. Oh, yeah, but he's still running after. It doesn't stop him. Oh, yeah. Whereas in the original film, Papa Jupiter, the bullets are what kill them. Yeah. But the thing is, he becomes incredibly violent. Oh, yeah. No, but what I like is that he becomes violent with melee weapons instead of with a gun. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, yeah, once he gets his hands on Pluto's axe Mm -hmm. and then just takes out the one guy who's walking by. Oh, yeah. And it's like it's not because he had done anything, but it's because specifically he would have been a threat. That's why I'm surprised we didn't get another confrontation with Big Mama. Because Big Mama's the one who knocked him out and stuck him in the fridge. But did he know that it was Big Mama? He's turned around and got that flash of Big Mama. No. We assume so. And technically, we were looking from his point of view when we had that flash. Yeah. Well, let me just put it this way. I did not realize it was Big Mama, and I completely just stopped caring. I was like, whatever, someone who did something knocked him out. I thought it was one of the other mutants that did it. I also had a little minor problem with, you know, when Lizard goes down. Okay, he's still just laying there, and you just set the gun down next to him. Mm -hmm. He's going to jump back up with the gun, isn't he? Yeah. I didn't need that. I didn't need to have then Ruby goes and jumps off the cliff with him. Yeah, I kind of liked it, though, because it looked like she was hugging him at the end. That was sweet. Yeah, but Ruby didn't need to die. Yeah. I know she didn't. She survived the last film and got her own sequel out of it. Why can't this one? <laughs> we pick up on her seven years later. She had corrective lenses. Yeah. I'm like, when Liz was lying there and I'm just like, dude, double tap, head, come on. Zombie yeah, movie. I know. It's literally, he's like going to shoot him in the head. And then puts the gun down right beside. Right next to him. Yeah. It's like, so oh I no, he's point, fine. He also did see Ruby with his daughter, at which point he's just like, getting my daughter, don't even care. And then it's like, there's that moment where he like kills the one guy with the axe and then leaves the axe there. Yeah. 
Though I did like the move where it's like he's chopping at him and then he just like that little move of he flips it over. He flips it over to the spike, yeah. I was like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, and I even love the reaction of, oh shit, he just flipped it over to the spike. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm screwed. The one thing that I noticed though, that they didn't, because they showed all this other brutality and then Big Brain gets attacked by Beast and we don't see it. We just hear the like munching. And the him screaming, and that's it. We don't really see much when he attacks the lookout, either. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we see the guy's severed arm later, but... We do see that one fight the jugular. Well, I think that's actually the cyst that's in the credits. I don't know. It's either cyst or goggle. It's goggle, because they're calling okay. goggle on the radio. The dude later. with the Voldemort nose? Okay, then the big guy yeah. with the frame head, then that's cyst. Yeah, the guy with the Voldemort nose is goggle. Okay. But yeah, essentially, he's Mercury. And that, that's what I kind of dislike is like, oh, in the original film, everyone is named after a planet but Ruby. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, they didn't keep that here. I do like the name Goggle, though. I actually thought when I would hear them talking on the radios that he was named Gargle. I thought it was Gogol at one point. And I'm like, naming a kid Gargle actually would kind of fit, you know, if they're just naming it after things that are parts of their lives. You know, this one's named Cyst. This one's named Gargle. You know, yeah. that would have been neat. Yeah, no, I thought it was Gogol. And I was like, okay. that's a weird name to give someone. He's the professional assassin. But yeah, no, Goggle. Hmm. I'm surprised they didn't really do much with the mines. Yeah. And that's actually one thing I forgot to mention in The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 of the original, the one that done in the 80s. The entire climax happens in the mines where they've built their entire shelter. And I thought they made a great use of the mines in that one. It, not, none of the other ones really used the mines at all. Well, I know Part 2 of this one does from the trailers, but we'll get to Part 2. Do they film it in Morocco as well? Don't know. No, they film it in your mom's chest hair. I love you, Dana. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) About as awkward as the sex scene in the original that the brother has to overhear. Oh, Oh, God, that sex scene in the original. (laughs) I'm glad we did not mention that because, wow. (laughs) That was like, yeah, no, nobody wants to see that. Well, we should mention that that was the first film Wes Craven made after spending several years working in the porno industry. Which is still, it's a fairly tame scene, considering. I know. And it was in the porno industry that he met Peter Locke, who was a director and producer of porn, who produced the original film Hills Have Eyes with him. And they actually formed a company together and made a bunch of films. And the Hills Have Eyes remake, which Wes Craven produced, is also co-produced by Peter Locke. It was them getting back together. And they've made a couple more films together afterwards. So it was through porn that these men became friends and business partners. The porn... So, but anyways, yes, part two was filmed in Morocco, too. Segway. <laughs> I would not want to be on set. <laughs> I get into the porn in the last house on the left episode. I won't get into it more here. Suffice it to say, no Michael Berryman porn. Nobody needed that. Thank you, no. So anything else we want to mention about the remake? I like the spike strip for the tires that yeah. he then wears and uses as a weapon. That was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, I do wonder what their plan was after the gas station attendant killed himself. What was their plan to eat after? I think that's more of an issue in the first film where they actively kill him. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this film, that happens and they haven't really had a chance to do anything about Mm -hmm. it yet. I mean, the guy did have cars sitting around. It wouldn't take that much to jury rig one and move to a closer location or something. Yeah, but then they'd still have to get someone to send them food their way. Yeah. I don't think it's something that they really planned. Mm. I, I do like that the cell phones don't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that because there are places where if you're in the middle of butt fucking nowhere, your phone's not going to work. I loved his line of that he works for a cell phone company and he says, yeah, we have 97% coverage and we found ourselves in the 
Yeah. <laughs> One other thing I liked was in the original film, you had the guy was planning on running away. So he was like filling a feed bag with these odd items around the shop. Mm-hmm. In this one, they changed it to once they get their victims, they send him leftover bits that he can kind of pawn off, yeah. like jewelry and cell phones and stuff like that. Now, this is actually really funny because they give that ear in the styrofoam container that they send him. Yeah, I, he should have almost bit into that just to show that he was part of the clan. He pulls out the picture and it's the girl and she's got the earrings on, so you're supposed to know it's her, right? Yeah. The picture shows her right ear. They send him her left ear. <laughs> so way to go, whoever was in charge of continuity. Nicely done. Well, hey, it would fit the mindset of, you know, they aren't thinking it through because they're kind of inbred. That was the girl's ear? Yeah, because she's got the earrings down the side in the picture. I didn't notice. See, I didn't notice that too, but now I hear you tell it. Someone doesn't know their left from their right. Good to know. <laughs> but I'd hate to be the guy who has to bring this guy out to stock for his store, because he obviously gets supplies. But not a lot. Not a lot, but he obviously gets supplies shipped in. Mm-hmm. And some of those were recent items. Yeah. It wasn't like stuff from the 80s, you know? Maybe he just goes and buys supplies himself. Could be. Because he does have a car, so. Well, I mean, he had a few sitting around that place. But no, he specifically had one that was operational. We only know that one is operational because that's the only one we saw turned on. Doesn't mean the other ones aren't. Yes, but from that, (laughs) there's at least one car that works, so he could just go buy them himself. See, but it was a different dynamic in this one because he wasn't leaving and they didn't have the whole Ruby wants to run off with him. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the family nipping that in the bud. It was more just, you know, same old, same old. He's kind of tired of it, but he still intentionally sends his family down that road. Mm-hmm. And I think it was he blew his head off not because he was tired of it, but because he was confronted about it. I think it was more the guilt because he was sitting in there with a shotgun already. Yeah, but you don't know that he's not always sitting in there with a shotgun. And this was just, and the thing that finally tipped him over the edge was he's being confronted with someone that he sent to his death. Or it was also someone who he knew was a cop who was going to finally bring it all to an end. Yeah, no, I actually think that he was going to kill himself whether Big Bob showed up or not. No, but because he repeats his line of, if that's you out there, Pluto, I got the buckshot for you. Mm. I mean, that was the line from earlier where he would chase Pluto away with buckshot. Wasn't he also, like, really drunk? Yeah. Yeah, he was drunk out of his gourd. I mean, I seriously think him being drunk full of guilt and going to the outhouse with a shotgun is probably something this guy does on a nightly basis. Yeah, maybe. This was just the night that he pulled the trigger, and the thing that made it different was because he's finally been caught. Maybe. And was that the hair lip McGee in the back of the car, or was that the stringy-haired guy that goes to the That was Billy Drago as Papa Jupiter. Oh, okay. The one who ate the mom in the end. Oh, okay, so he's the stringy-haired guy. That, yeah, that's uh, Papa Jupiter, who, again, they made such a small character. Despite the fact that they got Billy Drago, who's actually a pretty named character actor, who's popped up in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've never heard of him, Despite the fact okay. that they get an actual actor-actor for that role yeah. instead of, like, the makeup artist for the other ones. Oh, come on, he was in Tremors 4. <laughs> yeah, no, you're selling me on this. You're selling me on it. No, he was the bad guy in The Untouchables. No, he wasn't. That was, um... Or he was like the bad guy's right-hand man. He was the assassin who they kept fighting. Yeah, I don't remember the assassin. I just okay. I remember the... But no, I mean, he has had a prominent acting career at times. I don't remember him from anything I've ever seen. I would say he has a career about as good as Ted Levine's has been. But Ted Levine's actually a competent actor. He was on Charmed. Yeah, but I'm not talking about whether or not he's competent. I'm talking about whether or not he's had a career. What I'm what I'm saying is the point is that they got a guy who has an acting career. He's kind of a recognizable face if you know him. And they put him in a prominent role of Papa Jupiter 
but then they do nothing with Papa Jupiter. That's the point. Well, maybe I'm they to make. cast him, and then we're like, "Wow, he's a terrible actor," and they cut down the part. That might be because he is a terrible actor. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's just Papa Jupiter was kind of a real letdown after everything they do for. They don't even do any mutations on him. He just has a scraggly beard. Yeah, well, he has really gross hair too. He's just a creepy guy with hair and a beard. They otherwise don't do anything with him. He has no mutations. He has no character at all. He's just a guy. Yeah. They should have just had Pluto be the one who was attacking the trailer again. Yeah. Yeah, they could have done without that yeah. character completely. Or Lizard, yeah. technically, since he's the one who tells Brendan that he'll come back for her. Yeah, but Lizard needs to have that final showdown with Doug. Yeah. And then the two kids are fighting off against someone themselves. They should have had that be Pluto. So, I mean, again, I would have argued that it should have been Blizzard because he said that he would come back for her. So mm, that's a good point. Yeah, because he never does come back for her. It's like, dude, that's a good point. And then you could actually just have, you know, you got Pluto, he gets the axe from and then you could just have Doug's final confrontation be with Mama. Or if they had built up Papa Jupiter and had had a better actor. Yeah, that have been with him. But anyways. See, and this is the thing is two of us recommended this film and we aren't really saying all that many good yeah, things about it. Yeah, but I recommended it as like background noise. Yeah, that's true. I, I still enjoy it, but I enjoy it the same way that I enjoy the remake of House of Wax in that it's stupid <laughs> and I don't have to think. Like, I should put the caveat of it's stupid and I don't really have to think that much and there's some pretty good performances. But one thing I will say is it is very well made. Yeah. It's beautifully shot. Yeah, it's very competently made. I'm going to go beyond competently. I'm going to say it's beautifully shot. I'm just going to go and say that it wasn't a strong plot to begin with to base a remake off of. Well, eh, I've seen worse. Well, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of worse movies out there. It's essentially the same plot as the first movie, scene by scene. Yeah. Some of the stuff they added are stronger. Some of the stuff they added are stupid. But mm -hmm. it's mostly the same story. And it's not really a story that's tied to a specific generation, so I think it is something that's actually a very easy story to adapt. Because it's literally a family on a road trip gets off the road and they run into cannibals. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not really... I mean, Wrong Turn did that just as well. Uh, well, in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, well, in quotation marks. I think this is a better film than Wrong Turn. Dude, a video of me sleeping for three hours is better than Wrong Turn. I didn't hate Wrong Turn, the first one. I didn't hate that. And part three wasn't bad. I never saw it. Who's shocked that I've never seen it? Yeah, sweetie, I saw the first one. You don't need to see any of them. But the thing about this film is, despite some stupid moments, it is a very well put together movie. I mean, it's mm -hmm. very well edited. The scenes of tension are played out well. The scenes of horror are played out very well. Even the scenes of just the family being a family are played out very well. The music just oh, has yeah. that great John Carpenter, just this kind of boom, boom, boom. This is pulsating. Oh my god, that one when uh, Doug locks himself in the bathroom. Dana, what just happened? But yeah, that one where Doug locks himself in the bathroom and he like pushes the tub in front of the door. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there going, he's going to come through the window. And you hear the heartbeat that's supposed to be the yeah. heartbeat in his, on the soundtrack. And I'm like, well, the guy's going to obviously come through the window. And then I jump because he comes through the wall. And I was just like, okay, nicely done movie. I did not expect that. And even just these moments where, like, even screams kind of, like, drown out in this kind of noise distortion. Yeah, there's that one... It's Brenda, isn't it? Yeah, one Lynn is shot in the head. Yeah. And there is just that weird distortion of sound where she's screaming. That was great. Well, there's also just a lot of great little bits with sound. What I like about the sound is, you know, there's that bit in both films where Bobby is drawn out because he thinks he hears Beast barking. Mm-hmm but it's actually the person out there doing the imitations. 
In this one, you can clearly hear it's a guy doing barking noises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the original one, he's like a perfect mimic of these various sounds. In this one, it's literally just a guy going, bark, bark. Yeah. (laughs) And Bobby just wants Beast to come back because he'd already seen what happened to Beauty. So he's not even thinking about it. But they don't draw it out as long here. And then he hears that bit where the bark turns into a laugh. And I do like when Bobby, he falls off that bit of a cliffy thing when he's running away. Oh, yeah. There's an explanation for why he's gone for so long. I like that he fell, but then also that Ruby just sticks around and watches over him. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. She's just singing her little song. And sings, yeah. I'm like, yeah. It's like ugly cry. I'm fine. <laughs> and okay, whoever was in charge of like the color, whatever it was, thank you for not giving it that really ugly, orangey, whatever filter it is that Michael Bay uses for his Transformer yeah. movies. That everyone looks like some weird fucking CSI. The one that they use on CSI Miami? No, the one that Michael Bay specifically loses. Yeah, giving it the Tony Scott glow, I know. Yeah, where people kind of have a weird either orangey or bluish glow. No, the colors were very natural here. I like yeah. it. Yeah. It's like it feels like you're in the desert. It's a little washed out, but still enough that you can see people. See, I mean, the original film made great use of the desert location, and this film does just as good, if not slightly better. Mm-hmm. I think they both make equal use of the location. I think this one just has better cameras. Mm. Well, and I guess a bit more money behind yeah. it that they can fix and whatever. Editing is- software. Yeah. I used to even like the moment where Doug just comes across that crater that's full of cars and is just wandering among the cars. Mm-hmm. He's like, here's a dusty old teddy bear that's been sitting around for a long time. I'm going to put that in my baby's hands. Yeah, I'm like, your baby's going to get like freaking cholera, but you know, great. There's like a whole <laughs> bunch of lice are going to crawl out of it. Yeah. I do like that he brings back the fishing line and it does come into play. <laughs> a fishing line? And did you also see he had the ping pong paddles? It's like, why'd you yeah, bring ping back pong. ping pong paddles? To play with, God. Do you know how much those things cost? Well, the problem was they used the fishing pole to set up the security line to tip them off if anyone comes in. Mm -hmm. But then you cut to a shot where they're talking and you can see in the background the wind is whipping this fishing line back and forth. Yeah, but I think it was more if it pulled it down because if someone walked into the fishing line not knowing. Well, but they still connected a bell to it. Yeah. That was supposed to go off. But the thing is blowing back and forth. I think that was just a little flub in the background. But still, the day was a little windier than they expected. Though I do like the fact that it's a tumbleweed that I'm assuming that Papa Jupiter put it there. Yeah, and then he got all the way back around and took the mom out really, really fast. Hey, he can, apparently. He's the fash. It seemed to work. than a speeding bullet. Anything else we want to say about this movie? I like Bobby and Brenda. I like Bobby. I love Bobby. Bobby needs to get a belt. Bobby needed to have a man-up moment halfway through where he pulls up his fucking pants. Yeah, and gets a belt. <laughs> he had a belt. He and just had it down. I can see his underwear. And I'm like, Bobby, really, just pull up your fucking You can see he did have a belt on. He just had it down. Mm. And it's like, you know, at some point, you're going to need to run. And you're going to fall on your face. (laughs) And I say this to someone who wears baggy jeans. You got to pull it up. (laughs) Sorry, that wasn't even cool, like, when they thought it was. No. (laughs) But it fits the character who he is at first. He's the annoying teenager. Mm, Yeah, but. He's trying to be cool. I still really like the character. Then the actor did a really good job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that actor. I'm like, he's in so much stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know you from a lot of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I'm stalking you like a creep person. <laughs> I mean, what? That's why what? you were looking at his underwear. No, it was just there, Noel. Okay. No one could not look. <laughs> it was impossible to look away. I was like, you know, either pull up your pants or I'm going to force you to wear Doug shorts from the first film. <laughs> <laughs> 
But seriously, I expected to have a film. I want a film that just has that moment where, okay, you got to man up and pull up your fucking pants. <laughs> and it's like, literally, it's we know he's finally grown up because he finally pulls up his pants. I want that to be a thematic image in a movie at some point. And I hoped we would get that here, but we did not. Can we quickly discuss the icebox of Doom? <laughs> Which didn't actually seem like it was freezing anything. It no. felt more like it was a fermentation box. It was originally, it would have been an ice box. It's just at that point, they were just like, this is where we throw in the body parts. The body parts that were going to just melt down into goo. Yeah. I'm actually was really surprised that there was no like bugs in there. And it wasn't yeah. like, maybe they sprayed it. Rotting. Because I'm assuming that those body parts were kind of in there for a while. Yeah, but they did have a lock on it. So maybe they couldn't get past the lock. They never know. And nobody heard him banging on it. Again, this is, where did Mama go? This is the whole question of where did Mama go? Maybe they all left. Mama went for a walk. Dude, Maybe why? divorce court ended and Mama went for a walk. <laughs> it would be funny if she wasn't brushing that wig for herself, but she was brushing it for Big Brain. I'm pretty now. <laughs> You're going to be so pretty. Do the curls cover my Big Brain? <laughs> or what if it wasn't a wig and if it was someone they just scalped? Yeah, you know, that would have yeah. been nice, but it, it seemed like a wig, but it would have been nice if they went that far. But yeah, they never really showed that detail. And who was that woman who the one guy was dragging the body of? Because it wasn't Lynn and it wasn't the mom. And it seemed reasonably fresh. Yeah, I was guessing that it was some other kind of kill that they had gotten before. Yeah. Like maybe someone from the opening kill. Someone, one of the scientists? Yeah, maybe. I don't even know. Like, yeah, I was quite maybe wondering that. Maybe it's the girl too. that lost an ear. Yeah, there oh, we go. That hey, could have been her. Go. Yeah, I'll accept that. Yeah. That is my headcanon. Movie explained. <laughs> headcanon accepted. It all yeah. makes sense now. No. <laughs> but wait, how did he get in that car? <laughs> <laughs> and why would you put, like, mattress spring things all around the inside of the car? Because they're fucking, like, inbred hick rednecks. <laughs> it was a neat detail, but it was a weird one. It was kind of like when you're bored and you got a bunch of junk, you just start doing things. with. Like, why does the gas station guy have a pole that just has a bunch of bottles on it? Because it looks fucking cool and all that. Actually, I saw an art project like that once. One of the But again, it's art. Is it you know? my uh, program? She uh, it's art. Use the air quotes. Yeah, well, well no, no, but what I mean is you get bored, you have a bunch of junk laying around. You make shit. Let's do some. Yeah, you make shit. Why not? Literally arts and crafts, you know? Actually, because the, the one girl in my program that made a sculpture out of bottles like that, it was bottles and wire basically to make vaginas. That is stupid. Wouldn't the bottles be another part from the other gender? Yeah, you would think so, but apparently no. Well, no, because it was all about like the promiscuity of teenagers and alcohol and was the wire the vagina that the bottle was entering? No, it was actually, um... You know what? I don't care about someone's art project that I think sounds dumb anyway. Can we move on, please? Okay, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Nope. Episode <laughs> over! <laughs> so, are we pretty much done with the Hills Have Eyes? Do we have anything else to say? I don't know. I still find it funny that in both versions, they just decide, Dad's on fire, don't bother checking on Brenda, who's getting raped in the back. And this one I actually like because he runs in and gets the fire extinguisher while Brenda is still being 
Actually, I think in both films, he runs in and gets a fire extinguisher yeah. and doesn't even notice. Well, yeah, because there's someone on fire. You're not checking for anyone else, really. Yeah, there is the chaos of the moment. And not only are they dealing with putting the fire out, but they're dealing with the mother who's having a complete breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually like that line in, that they used in both movies. That's not my Bob. That's not my Bob. Mm-hmm. In the remake, though, originally she does say, oh, my God, that's Bob. And then when she sees the frying, then she's like, that's not yeah. my Bob. There's this moment where she just snaps. Well, this one, they drew out how long he was on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the two guys don't even know what's going on. And by the time they get back to the trailer, all of that shit's gone down. Yeah. So I actually kind of like how that plays out of how there is some strategy to it mm-hmm. on the part of the cannibal mountain men. If, you know, they have done this before. They've picked up a few tricks over the years. Yeah. Like crucifying daddy and setting him on fire as a distraction. Because that's what you do. And then what I like is they don't even break into the trailer just for Brenda. That's just a quote unquote happy accident from their point of view. They're going in to strip it of food and weapons. Yeah, that's their first priority and it's just convenience. Oh, hey, I got a few free minutes. Oh, hey, let's have some fun. Yeah. Now I feel horrible for describing like that. (laughs) Yes, no, feel bad. Well, hey, this is on the tales of Last House on the Left, so that's two Wes Craven films where I have to talk about rape. Like, I don't like being the only guy on a podcast talking about rape. I automatically feel guilty. Yeah, you should, because if you're a man, penis. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, does that pretty much bring Hills Have Eyes to a close? I think overall, it's the first film. It's just more slickly made. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And if you don't like the first film, you're not going to like this one anymore. But if you do like the first film, it's a good remake. And it has a few other things it adds. And again, if you go in looking for exactly what the poster and the trailer promises you, you're going to get that. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, like, the remake, it's better just because of how things have progressed technically. And so it does do it that way. I just didn't really see the need for a remake. I will agree. It doesn't really add any. I mean, it has a lot of little interesting new things that it adds. But overall, it doesn't do anything different with the story than the original did. It literally, I would go to the point of saying they pretty much followed Wes Craven's script for the first movie. They just went and did revisions here and there. They're like, hey, this part didn't make sense. Let's add to it and then completely take it in the overkill everything. It's not so much that they changed anything or or I want to say none of the changes really do anything differently. The outcome is still always the same. Yeah. It's just they go about it in a different way. And so, I mean, you know, I have a few problems here and there, but they're kind of balanced out by the problems in the first one. So I guess this is the final question. If you were told you had to watch one of these films once a year, every year for the rest of your life, dear God, which one would you pick? Remake. Done. Dana? Um. If you were going to be strapped to a chair to experience one of these films once a year, every year, which poison <laughs> would you pick? Uh, uh, probably the original, I guess. If I absolutely had to choose. Because of the shitty effects that are not as bad. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It's the lesser of two evils, I guess. I picked the original. I think the remake is better made on a technical level, but I find there's something charming about the original. There's something about it that just kind of feels more grounded and kind of real. Because Ruby lives. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need Ruby to live. Well, there's also the Ruby living. But I also really like the Doug in the original. I also really like the Bobby in the original, even a little more than I do here, which isn't to knock the people playing them here. I kind of like the amateurity of the first one. It feels more like normal people who are trapped in the situation instead of a lot of actors I've seen before. 
which isn't a fault of the remake, but it's just, I'm kind of charmed by the original more. And I also kind of like the goofier cannibal family because it's not pushed to the extreme that it is here. It's easier to watch. It's not so over the top. It's not so over the top. Or it's over the top in a different way, but it's not pushing the horror over the top. I think that kind of humorous aspect actually kind of balances out the more horrific aspects of the first one. So I'm, I'm picking the original. You both have terrible taste. And then I will say that, you know, I do usually mention the sequels, but I ran out of time and I didn't get to watch The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 and prep for this. I did see the first half hour of it back when it was playing on TV a couple years ago, and I liked what I saw. I just didn't get to finish watching it. And I ran out of time here today. And I know Wes Craven came back and wrote that one with his son, Jonathan, so I'd be curious to see what they did with it. Well, if you want to see what the writing process was like, I could probably strap a crayon to my three-year-old niece and she can show you how that worked. Why are you automatically assuming that it's bad? Because Wes Craven usually is much more intellectual than most horror makers. He's clumsy, but he at least puts thought into it. Yeah, but people who put thought into things that aren't good doesn't make it better. No, but I still find it interesting. No. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. I still find it interesting. Yes, and I assume it's bad because it looks like a terrible movie. What I saw in that half hour was pretty much what I got in the remake anyway. So, I mean, again, yeah, but you have a very different threshold than okay. I do. And I expect I it to be more of the same, which, again, I will check out at some point because I yeah. kind of like Hills Have Eyes. The entire series, I like the concept of it, and it's something I like to dig out every now and then, as opposed to Last House on the Left, where I can appreciate how bold it is, but I don't want to watch it ever again. <laughs> Whereas Hills Have Eyes, it's something I can sit down for like a nice grindhouse evening. And the entire series is remarkably consistent. I mean, between Hills Have Eyes 2 and the Hills Have Eyes remake, they're pretty consistent in terms of quality, in terms of style. I mean, there was that part three, which was Mind Ripper, but that's kind of a different thing entirely. So again, I'll, I'll watch part two after this recording and I'll put something in the comments on what I thought. Oh, well, there you that. go. Yeah, I just think that the reason why they're out there didn't really work for me in the remake part two but you know oh the whole thing where they're a military unit out on training yeah i'd have to watch it again but i could see it working if the military was deciding we're going to reopen up this area as a testing site and we just need to like do a patrol to clear it out which is great except that you still know that spending like an hour there gives you this much radiation but you know whatever well it depends yeah there's because it's supposed to be los alamos they're going to california it's supposed to be Los Alamos. Okay. Apparently in this Los Alamos, there was more, there was even more. In a real world scenario, I will agree with you, but this isn't really real world. No, but I mean, like if this was the Los Alamos of the movie we're in, there was even more nuclear testing than there was at the original. It fits within my willing suspension of disbelief. It doesn't yours, but mine is different. Yours is so much greater than mine. Okay. I love it. It's like there's things that I will accept that you're like, that's dumb. And other things that I'm like, no, that's stupid. And you're like, it's totally fun with me. Well, isn't that the point of this show? <laughs> so we... Exactly. I was actually just going to say, I'm like, that's just how you two work. <laughs> if we agreed on everything, this would be a boring ass show. That's and true. what I love is that we disagree on really weird stuff that we can actually discuss. <laughs> and both of you are like, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. We don't do that anymore. And then we have a guest who tells us which one is right. <laughs> no, we have a guest who's just like, you're both idiots. <laughs> can't believe I agreed to be on this. <laughs> no, I was like, I. I can't believe you convinced me to watch this. Hey, you said you would. I said I would. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because you're like, I can't believe. No, I didn't have to convince you. You volunteered. No, actually, part of it was also we wanted to do the Wes Craven series. 
mm-hmm. and we knew who was going to do Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm like, who can we talk into actually watching Last House on the Left and Hills Have Eyes? Because neither of those, especially Last House on the Left, are films that people really want to watch or talk about. Well, with Last House on the Left, it kind of had to be Mac after the last time she had been on. Well, Last House on the Left, we actually did get someone signed up for it, but then yeah. they dropped out. And we were literally like, okay, we need someone for Hills Have Eyes. And I think I said to you, can we just get Dana to do it? And I asked and you said yes, Dana. So Because Dana, you're kind of our fallback when we don't have anyone else to go to. Hey, you said yes. You could have said no. No, I know. Hey, that's how you end up on our show like two to three times a year. Oh, I know. Well, except I really wanted to do Clash of the Titans. Like the fog. We couldn't find anyone else for the fog. Because everyone else was like, fuck off. Exactly. Nobody wanted to watch the yeah, remake. There's, there's unsuspecting Dana because I don't watch any of these movies. Because you're like, okay, who can we scare the shit out of? Who doesn't watch horror movies? Who hasn't seen this? And we can get, you know, someone's first view on this who really doesn't like the genre. Yeah, you know what? You brought that on yourself. So that brings our Hills Have Eyes episode to a close. And thank you for joining us again, Dana. Anytime that apparently you don't have someone else. You're a fallback, baby. You're a fallback. <laughs> well, because we also like having you on a lot because you're one of our most entertaining, especially after that laughing fit. Which well, was actually me this episode, but <laughs> it, it, it wasn't five minutes, so. Yeah, I no, can't even get now I'm, take I'm sure that there will come a time sometime this year, maybe, we'll see, that I will end up with another laughing fit. Oh, yeah. As thank yous for going through this horrible, bloody horror movie double feature we'll let you pick what you want to do next time no we're not letting her pick no you gotta let me pick oh by the way we didn't end the episode good night evie you go to hell and you die good night To read show notes for this and every one of our episodes, please visit IHateLoveRemakes.blogspot.com. The comment sections are open, so let us know what you think about the films discussed. I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. Madeoffail.net. We were unpopular before it was cool. <laughs>